All right, here we go. Ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Consciousness Explorers podcast. It's the pod where we're all about exploring the mind, body, all the stuff in between with different techniques. We're your hosts. I'm Tasha Schumann. This is Jeff Warren. I'm Jeff Warren. Hello, I'm present. <laughs> and we're super stoked to have you along for the ride today. So for this episode, we have a really special guest, Peter Russell. I love this uh, meditation. You know, we got really minimal. Usually we're all about exploring different techniques from all around the world. And some of them are more effortful than others. This one is all about letting go. So it was just a super nice baseline. And Jeff shares the really awesome story of how we got to know Peter Russell, which is very endearing. Yeah. So basically, I don't even think I'll say anything because I just blab on here at the beginning about <laughs> meeting Peter. But uh, other than to say, in all the rainbow complexities of different kinds of practices, in a sense, this is the most pared down kind of center of the donut. It's really the least effortful, least of anything kind of practice. And in that sense, it's the kind of core training of what practice is. So let's explore. Welcome, Peter Russell. Lovely to be here with you. So Peter is Peter's sort of a very early investigator of consciousness in terms of our culture's encounter with styles of practice and insights from the East. He's been engaged in that since like the 60s and 70s, I think, and has written 10 books about consciousness, started out more from a physics background, a physics and then applied psychology, I believe, and then got into spirituality and meditation and really has become a very beloved teacher among many, many people. And certainly for me, then I should say that's the personal piece is I met Peter for the first time back in 2007, I think it was. Around that time, I was my first book had just come out, The Head Trip, uh, all about consciousness. I was sort of in a place of free falling in my life. I didn't know what I was doing or where I was going. I knew I was super interested in practice and consciousness. My book about consciousness had led me into, I guess, a kind of spiritual quest, although I, I didn't realize that's what it was about when I began. I was much more focused on the science. So I did this pilgrimage to the West Coast, uh, mostly California, but all up into Oregon and to British Columbia too. And I, I had an itinerary of like 20 different consciousness thinkers that I liked that I wanted to interview. And one of those was Peter Russell. And it ended up being probably the most, for me, it was the most exciting one, the most, um, it had the most impact. In fact, it had such an impact that after I left, I've told Peter this, this sounds totally weird. But after I had left him and we had this amazing wide-ranging conversation about animal consciousness, about panpsychism, about quantum cool. physics, about spirituality, in his little, at time, he was living in a little boat um, in, or is it Tiburon? Or Sausalito. Sausalito, yeah. So, and then we had a beer afterwards, and I think I, I met him another time a few days later. And after I left and went up to Oregon, I was so inspired by his message and around letting go, and he, we can maybe unpack that in this conversation that I got a tattoo on my arm that said, let go. That's uh, what that's so. from. I always wondered what, what started that. You can blame Peter for that. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> nice to know I have an impact on people's physiology. Yeah, you directly <laughs> impacted my, my epidermis. So yes. so welcome. We're, we're really excited to have you here. And I guess when I contacted you, I asked you what practice would you be interested in guiding? And so maybe you could tell us a little bit about that practice now and why it's important to you. And then we'll go into it, and then we'll have a discussion and exploration around it. Great. Yes. And thanks for that. Good reminders. I remember that time well on the boat. We just, yeah, we had wonderful conversation. I'd say very wide-ranging. So the sort of practice I'm interested in and have been for a long time is, I suppose I could loosely call it effortless meditation is the best sort of label to give. I don't actually have an official name for it. And the effortlessness is because it's so easy for people to get into thinking they have to try to meditate. They have to try to get somewhere. And so and a, lot, a lot of traditions reinforce this, you know, saying, you know, you've got to try hard. It takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of discipline. And what you end up in here very easily is a sort of self-reinforcing vicious circle where people try to meditate and they can't get anywhere and so it says, well, I told you it was difficult. You've got to try harder. They try even harder and still don't get anywhere. And then in the end, give up. Say, I tried meditation, but you know I couldn't get anywhere with it. 
And so for me, part of the problem is the trying itself. And so the practice I'll guide us in is one where the emphasis is on not putting any effort whatsoever into the process. It's more just allowing it to happen, noticing what's happening. And another thing people often say is, oh, you know, the monkey mind. I can't get rid of the monkey mind. I can't stop thoughts coming in. Thoughts will come in. I mean, it's the mind thinks. It's part of what happens. So it's not about stopping thoughts. The practice that I'm interested in is one that actually allows the thinking to just naturally quieten down. So thoughts will come in, but whenever there's a thought, we just you know come back to where we were in the meditation, just very, very gently. It's just about coming back to the present moment. Because what thoughts do is two things. They take us out of the present moment, into the past or the future, whatever we're talking about, take our attention out. And also they very often tend to bring with them some discontent, some worry, some anxiety, some planning, whatever, which again is taking us away from the peacefulness that we're moving towards. So that's basically it. And also the other thing is not having any expectations of what's going to happen in meditation. Because really, we're not looking for a particular state in this practice. We're not trying to get any great insight or get anywhere or have any marvelous, fantastic experience. It's more just letting the whole thing quieten down. That's really the essence of it. Yes, it's really about just coming back easily into the present moment. And one other thing I should say is, it's not about trying to stay present either. Once, you know, as we become present, but, you know, then the mind comes in and wanders off again. I often think it's like teaching a puppy to sit, push it down, you push its rear end down, and you say, sit, and you let go. And then the puppy scampers off, and you bring it back, and you say, sit, and you push it down, and it scampers off again. But gradually, it gets the idea. And I think it's the same with the mind. What we're doing is we're sort of coming back, relaxing, sitting in the present moment. The mind comes in, scampers off again, and we just come back. Okay, sit. We're just telling the mind to just sit here in the moment. So that's that's really the, the essence of the practice. So probably enough said on that. We can chat about it more later and where it leads to, etc. What I'll do is I'll end the meditation by just a little a little bell, I'll ring that three times, would just be the sound of the ending of the meditation. That sounds great. So, first thing is just, just sitting down comfortably, that's the first thing, just in the chair, no particular position is required for this, just the main thing is some position that's comfortable, um, not slouching too much, because that can incline you to get more sleepy, but just sitting in a fairly alert position, comfortably in a chair, and just closing your eyes and just allowing, allowing yourself to relax into being here. Just letting your body relax into the seat. Maybe feeling your feet against the floor or whatever. And just like to start by just taking a few slightly deeper breaths out. Just, just breathing out a little more deeply. It's just the sign to the body that everything's okay and we can begin to relax. And then just noticing your experience in the moment. You may notice sounds around you, sounds outside, it's the sound of my voice. You may notice little thoughts coming in, even background feelings, if you've been busy before listening to this, you may notice a slight busyness. Whatever it is, we're not trying to change anything. This is a really important aspect. We're not trying to change anything at all. We're just noticing what is. Let's start by just noticing how the body's feeling. And just starting with sort of more surface things, like the various places where you're in touch with the world, in contact with the world. I mentioned your feet against the floor or cushion wherever you're sitting. But also, you know, maybe pressure in the seat, some warmth there or pressure, the back of the chair. We're just noticing the sensations, not focusing on anything. We're just opening up to what's there because there's a lot of sensations which are there the whole time but we don't normally notice. For example, whatever your hands are touching, there's probably a lot of sensations there. 
or even the touch of the clothes against the skin. And noticing your face as often little sensations there, maybe a little tingling, sometimes a little sensation around the eyes, or sometimes maybe a little tension in the jaw. As we do this, if you notice any tension, that's okay. We're not trying to change anything. As I say, we're just allowing it to be as it is. And you'll probably notice just the natural movement of the body as it breathes. We have that very slight, just gentle movement of the chest or abdomen, even the feeling of the air through the nostrils. But in this practice, we're not focusing the attention on the breath like you do in some practices. We're just noticing the breath as part of what's there in the present moment. not trying to focus on anything particular but just allowing our minds to relax into this moment just noticing how it is and what you'll notice is from time to time you've wandered off onto some thought as i said before that's quite okay but when you notice you wandered off on a thought all we do is we just choose at this time not to follow that thought any further. We just let it go. We just don't follow it any further. And when we stop following that particular thought, then we just come back naturally to the experience of sitting here. We just stop following the thought and just allow ourselves to come back to just resting in this moment. Just allowing the attention to relax. As we allow the attention to relax and soften, like we expand our awareness from being on one particular thing, but almost having a more open, holistic awareness of the present moment. So rather than being on one particular aspect, if we can, just allow it to just soften and expand. There's nowhere we're trying to get to. So nothing we need to actually do. just allowing whatever's there to just be there as it is not trying to change anything And as I say, whenever you find you've wandered off again, not to feel you've gone wrong, it's quite normal. And all we do is we just choose not to follow that thought any further. And just come back very gently, the experience of just being here. And noticing how it feels when we come back. Often when we're caught up in a thought, there may be some slight slight tension or something worry connected with the thought just notice how when we come back from the thought and come back to just sitting here in the present how that feels there's often a slight sense of greater ease or relief relaxation just noticing that
and also as we begin to settle down a little bit you'll probably find you're just feeling a little quieter with this and just noticing noticing how that feels if you feel anything like that if it's a little quieter or a little stillness or sometimes just noticing that sense of being that's always there that sense of presence of being of sort of the meanness that's always there in the background, that sense of I. Sometimes we just notice that as well. Whatever it is, just noticing whatever's there in the background. Let's say some ease, some sense of presence, whatever it is. And just allowing ourselves to rest in that more, rather than any particular experience, just coming back to rest in what we're noticing as the mind settles down, just resting in that. And again, not trying to hold on to anything, focus on anything, we're just noticing what is. And just coming back to here, coming back to being in the present. So we'll just last, we'll just continue for a couple more minutes. I'll just be quiet for a little bit. So just continue a couple more minutes like this, just allowing yourself to relax into the moment, not following thoughts when they come in or when you notice them. And just noticing how it feels to just let the attention soften and relax. And don't rush to come out. It's always nice to just gently come back. When you feel ready, just open the eyes a little, letting a little light in. Maybe flexing your fingers or something, toes. Just that we gently come back into just being more in the world. Those are one of those meditations where I didn't want to hear the bell. <laughs> <laughs> You know, sometimes you've been working so hard in meditation and then the bell comes and you're like, oh, I did it. <laughs> Jeff, how you doing? I'm good. I'm like, <laughs> um, I guess if I had to describe my experience, you know, right away there's this sense of relief because of the way you say, you know, I don't need to try to get anywhere or let go of expectations. So I suddenly, it's like I'm being given permission to do it badly or there is no doing it badly, you know. 
So there's a kind of, I can feel the tension dropping of that. And then there, for me, there was just, I mean, I'm I'm familiar with this practice. That's why I'm interested in talking about it because it's sort of a version of what I also like to teach. And, but for me, there's a feeling of just that sense of being that you describe. I start to notice it does feel like being feels like something. It kind of begins to emerge as this dominant sort of tone or flavor or taste in my experience. And, and of course, my mind wanders off, especially because I think this is going to be an occupational hazard for Natasha and I. Is I'm thinking, oh, I got to have something to say about this. So my thought mm. will start. And then I'll notice that. And then, you know, your prompts around, just don't, just don't feed it, you know, just don't follow it. And then I'd come back. I only had to do that a few times. And then more or less, I kind of stayed back. I'd still have low level thoughts that would kind of rise, but just a sense of contentment, kind of suffusing my experience. But also I'll say, and this can be something we'll talk about maybe after Tasha's report, also a slight feeling of suspicion, which is familiar to me and which is just more like, is it really allowed to be this easy? You know, <laughs> is there some kind of rigor that I'm missing? Am I really just actually kind of zoned out, even though I feel quite present? Am I in a murky state that maybe could be clearer or sharper? Or should I somehow be accelerating my meditation progress using, you know, using these specific kinds of other techniques? But in general, I definitely did not want the bell to ring at the end. So that was my, my experience. Yeah, I had similar experiences. I'm also familiar with this practice, especially it has a lot of similarities to, you know, Tibetan Dzogchen or Mahamudra, more open presence kind of things. And I found for myself, especially today, I don't know why I drank coffee and I almost never drink coffee. So I feel like I just did amphetamines or something. (laughs) (laughs) So it was really nice to just stop and come home to the body. And I started in the body first and just kind of noticing this roving tenseness you know every anywhere where I wasn't looking was tense and as when I brought my attention to you know my hips or my legs I found them to be tense and then they would relax and then kind of coming up to my shoulders and coming up to my face as you guided us there so kind of making a stable base in the body first giving that just permission to relax for a bit took me a couple minutes and then coming into the mind I really found the allowing the thoughts wasn't hard what was difficult is I've, I found kind of there's two layers. There's like, you know, the random thoughts that are that are kind of coming and referring to things out in the world. You know, there's the thought about the thing and then there's the thing. And so I think sometimes we conflate the two. You, know, you think that your thought is the thing out in the world. And so just sitting with it in my mind wasn't hard. But then there's this overlay of the desire to change it or do something with it just sitting with it isn't enough. There's the what else, what's next. And so I shifted my attention into just sitting in that desire and letting it kind of roil and not have anything to do. Um, That kind of became very spacious because that in itself wasn't referring to anything. It was just like this desire, you know, (laughs) the desire that could almost glom onto anything, the desire to play with my mind or a desire to get up and do something or whatever. And just sitting in that had this nice, freeform intensity that was at times difficult and other times just kind of sweet I don't know so for me it was kind of like there was just a lot of motion but just kind of like sitting in it as if in the middle of a you know a a whirlwind or an ocean or something lovely thank you both yeah Uh, something which you both touched on is with thoughts um just again it's clarification it's not trying or not expecting to end up without thoughts. It's more that the thinking mind begins to settle down, begins to quieten down. And so you're less, you're less absorbed in the thoughts and more time to just, you know, reflecting on what you were saying, Sasha, reflecting on what's going Tasha, in the mind, that sort of thing. And, you know, there'll always be, I find nearly always some very, very faint level of thinking going on. Even, you know, even when you're in a very quiet, easy, relaxed, contented state, you know, it's maybe that faint sort of thought, ah, this is nice. This is nice. It's fine. We're not trying to get rid of those thoughts or stop thinking. It's more the thoughts that carry us off into another world away from the practice. But sometimes the most insidious thoughts I find are thoughts about meditation itself. 
and this is something Jeff was mentioning. It's like, oh, maybe if I did this, it would be better. Or if I did this, or how long has it been? How much longer is he going to go on? Or this is really good. I must remember to do this more often, whatever it is. You know, with, with everyday thoughts about, you know, what we've got to do next or what happened yesterday or shopping lists, we recognize those as thoughts. But these thoughts about the meditation are much more insidious. It's somehow we, we take those seriously. Any thought about the meditation itself, we take more seriously and get sort of hooked into it. Yeah, I was going to say it's kind of like it's almost we draw like an arbitrary line and things on the other side of the line are like, oh, those are just thoughts. And yeah. things on this side of the line are, well, that's me and that's real and I have to tend to this right now. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So it's, it's just also a question of catching those. I remember one time that really brought this home to me was some years ago. I was just sitting in my normal morning practice and it wasn't as, it wasn't as, you know, quiet as I, I was used to. And I was sort of getting a little bit frustrated thinking this isn't going well and you know, just a little bit sort of, you know, what can I do to make this better? And then just suddenly realized, hang on, this is what is happening right now in my present moment. Is there's a little frustration that this isn't quite as good as I'm used to. And when I let that in, instead of, I found I was resisting something. When I let that thought in, oh, this is my experience right now. This is where my mind is going right now. When I let that in, everything just like, oh, everything let go and relaxed. And I dropped straight into a much much quieter state isn't that interesting that's a, a familiar experience for me as well that it's like there's these layers these layers of uh slight subtle overt and then subtler and ever more subtle struggle or tension and 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 it, the art is sort of seeing seeing it and if you can then include that then you kind of move out to a larger space and that yeah. can, and then that is no longer a problem. But then eventually, even from that larger space, you then start to notice a new subtler layer in your experience of some way in which you're creating a duality or fighting with something. And, and then you're like, oh, and you bring that and you notice and bring that. And, and then you, so it's like this, for me, it feels sometimes like a continual backing up, backing up, backing yeah, absolutely. up. Absolutely. Yeah. And I find too, it's, I think we all kind of have our fallback, like our habitual thought patterns that we, you know, need to fall back from. I think for me, I, I do this thing where I'm, you know, sitting in meditation, everything's going fine. But there's this nagging feeling that I'm doing something wrong, that, you know, somebody else would be having a more refined experience or something. And similar to what you were saying, Peter, it's that often have that experience of backing up even behind that and being like, this is my recurring experience, the recurring experience of always doing something wrong and just like expanding to fit that as well and and realizing how habitual that is yeah it's just accepting everything as it is and when i'm feeling some resistance just noticing how that feels oh i'm resisting something oh what's it like to be resisting what's the feeling oh i feel there's a slight tightness here or tightness in my mind or something just just including everything and just exploring whatever is there just what it's like what it feels like, what's going on. So what about this idea, though, that somehow it can't be this easy? Of course, in the practice, we can notice that as a thought. I mean, I know how to work with that in the practice itself. But as a discussion here around different meditation paths and techniques, you know, there are other techniques that are much more deliberately about trying to make something happen, you could say, or there, there's, there's uh, more of a sense of a, like I can think of, just to give you an example, three different sort of well-trodden meditation paths. There's the path of the progress of insight through the classic mindfulness, which has an understanding of particular stages, which is really about trying to keep you stay paying attention. And there's a lot of focus on the sort of rigor of that. And there's a, you know, you're kind of get the right balance of effort. And of course, there, there's always equanimity there, but there's definitely effort there. Um, or the path of concentration, which is a path of increased subtlety and quiet and spaciousness, where there's certainly a certain amount of applied effort and intention on the part of many meditators to get to more quiet or empty or subtle or spacious states. And then finally, you could say there's a path of awareness itself, more of a non-dual path where you're, you're noticing awareness and there's, you're continually having to remind yourself to get back. And you, there is an agenda around trying to stay there or trying to 
create some shift to know you're just that or and by comparison this seems so um simple and i love it but i do wonder sometimes am i fooling myself is just this the lazy man's (laughs) (laughs) spiritual development or something like how do you think about that peter it is the lazy man's spiritual development and why not (laughs) (laughs) Um, not, not to encourage laziness but yes i know what you're saying there's various different techniques which involve you know some sort of concentration discipline trying holding the attention and they have their value i mean they can be a training for the mind various ways so not to say they aren't of value but i've just found this is the fastest way for me to just come back to being here now in myself and tasting that inner ease and contentment which is there and also, you know, what you've touched on, I touched on, that sense of being, you know, coming back, which I think ultimately is what it's about. We may not notice it at first, but it's coming back to this sense of being presence, being aware. And I find, you know, people, you know, as you found and hopefully people, you know, listening to the podcast found, you can drop into this in one simple meditation. It doesn't take years of practice to get the hang of it. With practice, it does become more and more familiar and easier. But many times people, you know, they've come to my class in the very first class, they've said, wow, you know, is it really that easy? And I think it is. It's our thinking that takes us out and makes us think it it needs practice and it can be difficult. But I really believe it is that easy to allow the mind to settle down again. Well, it's that easy if the goal of your practice or the destination of your practice is being. I mean, if you have that as an understanding that where I want to get to for my practice is right here and being in my life, then yeah. in a sense, it's the perfect training. Yes. And that, I suppose, is, is my goal. And the other techniques you mentioned, you know, they, have other, they have other goals. It may be, you know, learning to develop the art of concentration on one thing, of holding the attention to something. And that, you know, does take practice and that has value. So, you know, it depends what you're, what you're looking for. But for me, the sorts of meditations that I'm interested in generally are those that allow the mind to relax and allow us to just come back to just being more in touch with ourself, our own being. I keep thinking about, you know, I guess the self, you talk about the feeling of being is sort of this bare feeling of I. And I can imagine some people might think focusing on the feeling of I, the feeling of being, that somehow this is strengthening a sense of self. But I wonder if that is actually what happens over time. What have you noticed in this respect? And maybe how does this direction of practice relate to these ideas out there of no self in Buddhism or true self in Hinduism that this idea that we can come into a more fundamental relationship with the world that's different than that kind of egoic striving. Yes, this is a, I think, very tricky subject, important subject. It's so easy to get misdirected in a way. You know, one of the questions that's around particularly in the whole non-dual, contemporary non-dual movement is the thing, you know, who am I? Who are you? And, you know, it's like digging behind you know, the roles I play, whatever it is, and all that stuff, my name, my gender, but who are you? And people just get caught up in looking for, looking for the self. And so it's like, I am looking for I. And it's the analogy that's often used. It's like taking a flashlight into a dark room, looking for where the light is coming from. You never find it. All you find are various objects which the light falls upon. In the same way, if you go looking for the self, all the deep find, self here we the mean not self. the surface thoughts but not like, the yeah. self no even if you go looking for the deep self you know you may find very subtle experiences qualities of your mind or being you will find various things which seem like they're the self i know you know i got caught up in that for a long time and it's like oh this is what the self is anytime you think you know what the self is you're knowing something that isn't the self really, because you're knowing some object of experience. But what happens is, if you just hold that inquiry, it's not so much who am I, but 
you know, what, what does I refer to? When we use the word I, what does it refer to? And the encouragement there is for an inner, almost like opening, being curious and waiting. And there's a line from one of the Upanishads that says, the self reveals itself to itself. It's not something you find or discover, but it's like there comes a point when the I, if you like, that quality of being recognizes that quality of being. And it's like, oh, this is what they're referring to. How could I have missed that? How could I have missed that? And it's like we miss it because our attention is always on objects of experience, things, thoughts, what's going on. And what I like about this sort of practice is as we let the attention relax more, we sort of fall back into that quality of beingness. So it's more more we come to recognize something that's always there rather than trying to find something. It's more just a recognition of a quality of presence. So it's a, it's a tricky thing, but I would say don't go looking for it. Don't try and find the self or describe the self. But just just coming back to that sense of presence, however it feels to you deep inside. And don't expect this to be you know, an immediate revelation of meditation. I think as we become more and more familiar with our own inner experience, more and more familiar with the settling down, with the quietness, then it gradually becomes more apparent. And I would say it's more, you know, noticing noticing any sense of quietness or stillness that's there is more the doorway into it. Just noticing if you're feeling a quietness or an inner stillness, just noticing that and coming back to that is what I find the doorway into it anyway. And how does it affect your sense of connection with everything else of relationships like what have you noticed about yourself in the world when you're more in that place um one of the things for start is i'm less caught up in egoic mind the, the ego mind is the thinking that's um based on this idea that i am this separate individual unique self that's actually you know Peter Russell navigating his way through the world, which leads us to um, often try to change things, often to actually use use the world for our own ends or other people. The ego, which gets in the way of so much. When I'm more grounded in this sense of presence, that sort of thinking doesn't come in nearly so much. So it's a way of step in in the meditation itself we're stepping out of the the ego mind um and so in life there's, there's less of that there and i've had that's a gradual thing there's less of that i'm more able to just be here present in the moment with what is going on not so caught up in worry anxiety planning excitement whatever it is so so that that's one way and that that's just a gradual thing i i think i would say and i was saying this to a friend recently we were talking about this you know what is the gen, most general thing i can say about how i am as a result of meditation i would say i am just more content just more content with how things are and it's the it's the thinking mind the ego mind which creates discontent so much of the times and i feel that you know that's a really valuable thing just to feel content so that's one thing but there's a deeper thing which also affects our relationships is that this sense of beingness whatever you know we're pointing to here is something that's universal it's like how that feels for me i'm sure is how it feels for both of you you know how it feels for you, Jeff or Tasha, to be you as an individual with your feelings, your experience, your history, and all that stuff, we're in very different worlds. But when it comes down to how does that sense of you know quiet, stillness, presence, being feel, which has no way of being actually described or defined, must be how it feels for all of us to feel the same thing. And so to recognize that 
I know exactly what it's like to be you at that deep level. I don't know what it's like to be you at the personal level. I get some little hints here and there, but on that deep level, I know exactly what it's like to be you. And so that to me is one sense in which we are all one. I mean, people talk about oneness a lot, but to me, this is a really important sense in which we're all one, just in terms of consciousness. We all share that very, very simple quality of being. That to me is a useful sort of grounding point in relationship and to realize that we're all coming from there ultimately and we're all looking to return there. We're all looking to coming back to being at ease, to being at peace, to feeling love, be accepted. That We all want in one way or another to come back to, come back to being at ease, etc. It's like an access point to spontaneously being compassionate to people rather than Ex- having to work exactly, at it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's a real... It's like I know, you know, I know what you're looking for, and but also it come, you know, it brings kindness. It's like, how can I, in any interaction, and this has been a really important guiding thing for me in any any interaction, and it's usually a conversation with somebody, but it could extend further. But how can I, how can I express whatever I want to express in such a way? that you feel loved, appreciated, more at ease, more at peace, rather than if I come at you with some sort of attack or anger or judgment, I'm taking you away from that. I'm taking you back into your own thinking ego mind. But if I can shape it in such a way that you know you feel at ease and you feel appreciated rather than attacked, then helping you just encouraging you just sinking back towards that in yourself rather than going the other way and that to me is the the golden rule of all just about every single spiritual tradition is you know treat others as you would like to be treated which is we you know we none of us want to be made to suffer or feel pain we all want to feel at ease and loved and so that just becomes a principle I try to keep. I don't always, and you know, <laughs> I don't want to put out here that I'm some perfect, enlightened individual who never gets it wrong. I I fall down a lot, and I hopefully more more I recognize when that happens and can come back from that. Something that you were that just sparked in my mind as you were talking about that access to you know realizing what is at the basis of other people is. You know, so often we're trying to help people, but helping from our own egos. And so we're doing things that, you know, if I'm trying to help you, Jeff, I'm doing what I think Jeff needs. And so I can be very unhelpful in the grand scheme of things. But it's like the more that I can quiet and then my sense of self expands and I can actually see what is actually needed and help in a more helpful way, (laughs) if that makes any sense. Yes, yes. You're accessing something a little bit truer and can help from a more genuine place. Absolutely. And what I find helpful here is is to recognize that, you know, first of all, I'm probably caught in some sort of thought system or whatever about the other person, what they need. And I find a very useful question is just to pause and just to sort of hold the question, hold the inquiry, not try to answer it, but just hold the question is, could there possibly be another way of looking at this? Maybe I'm caught in perception. Could there be another way of looking at this? But yes, just possibly, and then just wait. And probably 50% of the time, something shifts, and I, I let go of an egoic way of thinking about what should happen, what's needed. And something emerges that's usually a much more, I would say, loving way of seeing the person and what they need so i find that a very useful question just to pause and just say as i had a very open you know not looking for anything but just could there possibly be another way of you know seeing what's going on here and just waiting and seeing if anything emerges let's say sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't but i feel no harm in asking i love that you said that because i think it, it sort of answers a question i think a lot of people have when they hear about a practice like this, or they hear about a result like this of contentment, of fundamental okayness, 
the question that comes up is, but the world isn't okay. You know, there are things that do need to change. And how do, how does that, isn't this a kind of passivity or, um, and what I hear from you is, uh, is not saying that there's no acting in the world or responding in the world. It's rather saying there is a way to respond more respectfully or more genuinely responding from what the world's showing us as opposed to what we think the world needs. And, and that that's a different sort of responding or acting in the world. Is that, uh, does that make sense to you guys? Yes. Mm. Yes. And I'm glad you bring this up because it's a very common question that people bring up. It's like, Oh, you're, you're saying accept everything as it is. I'm not saying accept situations. I'm saying accept your experience in the moment as it is. You know, your experience in the moment may be anger, may be frustration, it may be whatever it is. That's how it is in the moment. So I'm talking about accepting your experience in the moment, but that doesn't mean accepting the situation that, that's happening. There's you know much that needs to be changed in the world or we need to do or help people with, whatever it is. There's many, many things. And we're all drawn in different ways to different things that we feel motivated to try to change, to try to help with. And I think the more we can sort of access our own inner wisdom and our own inner resources, the better we'll be able to do that. You know, I think we all know if if you come at something, if you're angry about something and you immediately, you know, act out of that anger, more than likely than not, you'll probably regret it a bit later and wish you'd taken, you know, a few deep (laughs) breaths before you responded. So it's like, yes, there's a lot we need to do. I say we're all called to do different things, but Let's do that from a place of less ego mind, less inner agitation, coming from a a deeper place of wisdom and caring. And then I think we can go about whatever it is we want to do in the world in a much more effective way. I have uh, just practical questions. I think this is such an effective and beautiful practice. If someone were to take it on as their daily practice, would you say, you know, start at five minutes and try to get up to the standard kind of 24 minutes? Or is it more of a keep checking in all through the day, do 10 minutes? Yeah, what would you what would you suggest? Ah, beautiful. Thank you. Um, Yes, I think there's several different things here. Firstly, in terms of regular practice, I would say. I would say start looking for, you know, setting aside something like 15 minutes or so to begin with. I mean, different people find different times, but I think we need a little while to settle in. We just did, what, then 10, 11, 12 minutes, something like that. You can imagine if you just continue that for another five minutes, you're just going to settle into that more. So I would say something like that, you know, 15, 20 minutes is good as a sitting practice. And in, in that practice, we're sort of, we're developing the skill of just letting go of thoughts and just coming back to being in the present and savoring how that is. And then in life, it's it's a training for life. This is what I think is really valuable. I'm so glad you brought this up. You know, we can have lots of what I call mini meditations, which is suddenly, you know, you're at a traffic light or in a traffic jam or something else, you know, you're you're waiting for a couple of minutes for something. You can just pause and just come back to the present because you're almost certainly somewhere else. Your mind is somewhere else. And you can just use a mini practice. Come back. Oh, yes. Here I am. Here's my body. How's it feel? Just let me relax into the moment. And that's, that's really useful. We can do that many times you know, during the day. And then, I, then there's what I call micro meditations, which are just any time, any time, you can just stop following that particular thought. Just catch it. Just notice, ah, I was off on that. And just pause. Just pause that thinking just for a few seconds and just noticing the difference, noticing how it is, how it feels when you just pause for a moment. Nothing more, you know. You'll be off again back on some thought or whatever you were involved in, whatever you're doing. That'll come back. And that's fine. But it's just having lots of little tiny opportunities to just step out of the thinking, pause it, and just noticing, ah, 
yes, here I am. And then going back. And that just gradually, I think that's really important, just gradually building up that awareness of that sense of presence through the day. I love it. Um, it's such a nice way of talking about it, Peter. It's, uh, I remember when I read that book of yours, From Science to God, it's such a, it had a similar thing. It was just such a clear, simple, lucid sort of transmission. And you can tell a teacher who has a lot of experience, it seems like there's some rule or something going on where you begin to be able to explain more and more of things in ever simpler language. And I definitely, mm, yeah, absolutely. I definitely detect that in you makes it feel all very available, which I think is very needed in a culture that's going to try to make it spirituality as complicated as everything else. <laughs> yeah. We, we've made it so complicated. I think, you know, and it's like, I think part of what is happening today in the world is we are, in a way, stripping away all the different cultural trappings that have been put on this and coming down, just honing in, almost collectively honing in on, you know, what, what is the essence here? And just many different people, teachers, just all, all sort of honing in on, on this simplicity aspect. And I think that, that's what's really, one of the things that's really significant about what's happening with practice these days. I think that's great because it makes it so much more accessible. I think in different points in the past, you know, this kind of access to the mind has belonged to, you know, privileged few or monks yeah. up in the mountains or, you know, whatever it is. And the more we can simplify in super clear language, it becomes everybody's, you know, the mind is everyone's to explore. Nice. That is Maybe the perfect way to, to wrap up this interview. <laughs> uh, was there anything else that you wanted to say, Peter, or that you wanted to ask Tasha uh, before you know we, we wrap things up? Not really. I just um, just a little bit of you know letting people know where they can get more of this. I'm actually working on a book now called "Letting Go of Nothing." which is touching on a lot, a lot of the things we've been talking about here. And also for people who want to you know, do this a bit more, I, I do have an online course called How to Meditate Without Even Trying, which is just a sort of five-week course which goes over the basic things we were talking about here. You can find that on, on my website and lots of other things, which is just peterrussell.com. What a great way to start. We're so appreciative, Peter, for taking the time to do this. Thank you very much for bringing me down from my coffee amphetamine <laughs> high. I'm so chill right now. Yeah, right. Totally. I really loved it. I think it's nice we covered, you know, such a breadth of topics in this. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Consciousness Explorers podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like this episode, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. See you next week for a whole new adventure.